my dudes, my name is Tiffany. Welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues and media. Today, I am reviewing another reality dating. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you show. In case you don't know, I did a video about The Circle, which is not necessarily a dating show, but kind of. And then I did a video about Too Hot to Handle, which was another situation. I had mentioned in that video that just reality dating shows in general tend to be very, very heteronormative. We see just straight couples, and I just find that a little bit boring, but also limiting in terms of the types of representation that we get to see on these kind of shows. I had asked, like, are there any other shows that have more LGBTQ plus representation and you guys came through tons of you recommended that I watch this show and specifically this season are you the one season eight had an entirely sexually fluid cast meaning that every single person was willing and open to date any gender, including people that are non-binary or non-gender conforming. The possibilities are endless and everyone can date everyone. So first I'm gonna explain the concept of the show because I was new to this. Some of you might be new to Are You The One? Basically the point of the show is to find your perfect match. So the contestants are interviewed, they do personality tests, compatibility tests, the producers also talk to their friends, their family, their exes to try to figure them out and figure out who they would be compatible with. But this isn't just an individual dating show, it is kind of also a dating game. So the point is all 16 people in the house have to pair into the eight perfect matches. And if they can do that by the end of the season, the whole group will win $1 million to split. Each week there's a ceremony and people will pick who they think their perfect match is. And then there's this thing where like beams will pop up according to how many perfect matches are sitting together. So it will reveal how many perfect matches are currently together, but not who those matches are. So then throughout the week, there are different games and challenges, and obviously people just get to know each other. And the winners of those games get to pick people to go on dates, but also some of the winners of the games are chosen by the other house members to go into a thing called the truth booth, so that couple goes in and they will be scanned and then they will be told definitively whether they are a perfect match or not a match. If a couple is a perfect match, they go away to the honeymoon suite to continue to get to know each other. And if they are not a match, then they have to split up and try to find other people so that they can actually find who their perfect match is. Now, I have a lot to say about the concept of perfect matches, but I'm gonna leave that for the end of the video, so stick around. Before we jump in, today's video is sponsored by Babbel, the number one language learning app in the world. Learning a new language is amazing for so many reasons. For me, it's been very fulfilling to study French for over 10 years now. I have so much more appreciation for the French language and French culture and Francophone countries. And because this video is about a dating show, I think it's important to stress that learning another language can be a valuable skill. 
when you're dating. It's always fun to try to flirt in another language. Je t'aime, mon petit chou. Also, generally, it is just a nice fun fact or icebreaker about yourself. Oh, me? Je parle français un peu. Anyway, I have taken a lot of different French courses. I've tried a lot of different things to work on my French. And because I recently ended my last ever French university course, I have been seeking out ways that I can continue to practice and learn more French because I don't wanna let all of this knowledge go to waste. Babbel is my favorite language learning app because it prepares you for situations you will actually encounter in real life. Like how to ask about certain clothes while you're shopping or how to use conversational phrases without sounding like a robotic French textbook. So Babbel's daily lessons are a mix of speaking, typing, grammar, matching. And there's also a daily review session so that you can go over things you've recently learned and make sure that they really stick. So if you wanna try out Babbel, which I highly encourage you to do, please click the link in the description and you can get 50% off six months. It's a limited time offer, so don't miss out. By the way, thanks to today's sponsorship, I'll be donating $500 split between the following organizations. National Bailout, the Loveland Foundation, the Equal Justice Initiative, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, and Vocal NY. So now let me introduce you to the cast. We have Remy from New York, pronouns he, him, Paige from Texas, she, her, Noor from New Jersey, she, her, Max from Ohio, he, him, Kylie from Utah, she, her. Carrie from New Jersey, she, her. Kai from Rhode Island, he, him, or they, them. Kai identifies as transmasculine non-binary. Justin from California, he, him. Jonathan from Florida, he, him. Jenna from Indiana, she, her. Jasmine from Mississippi, she, her. Danny from California, he, him. Brandon from Utah, he, him. Basit from New York, they, them. Basit is non-binary and also has a drag persona named Dion Slay. Amber from New York, she, her. And Aisha from Florida, she, her. So when the cast first introduced themselves, some people introduced themselves and labeled themselves as bisexual. Some call themselves pansexual. Some call themselves queer. I respect whatever people would like to label their own sexuality as, but for the sake of this video and this show, I'm just gonna refer to everyone as sexually fluid. So when I was watching the first episode, I was very excited. First of all, I think it's great to watch a show like this. It's definitely very exciting and new and different to see a reality dating show about people who are sexually fluid. And I think for the sake of entertainment and for the sake of a game like this, it does mix things up in the sense that because everyone could be attracted to each other, there are all of those potential combinations more so than if you just had the boy group and the girl group and that's a lot more straightforward. In this show, anything goes and therefore it is more complicated but also potentially more fun. I also found it really touching to hear their introductions and a lot of them described how they come from more conservative or homophobic households or towns and just how meaningful it is to be able to be in this house with other people who are sexually fluid or gender non-conforming or gender fluid and and just a lot more potentially open and accepting than a lot of small towns or families tend to be. Some of them also mentioned that they're still kind of trying to figure out their sexuality or gender expression or still trying to come to terms with it. For example, Paige actually came out for the first time as bisexual 
on the show on day one. And I think Max had been saying that he was still trying to get comfortable in his sexuality and his attraction to men. I was just thinking how this is such a unique opportunity to literally be in a house completely surrounded by people that you could all potentially be interested in. Like really, what other situation are you ever in where everyone is also sexually fluid? Like yes, you can go to gay bars or LGBTQ friendly spaces, but that doesn't guarantee that every single person is also attracted to every gender. So I thought that must be fun, like a fair, except for sex and relationships. Or I guess a candy store? I don't know what type of metaphor is fitting for this. Anyway, so generally I thought the cast is lovely. They are all very good looking, but I do appreciate that they are not necessarily the type of people that you would see casted on Love Island or The Bachelor. You know, those shows tend to have very, very, very specific molds of type of appearances that they look for and that they cast. And I've always thought it was a shame that we don't see people who maybe have a different type of style, but that are still wonderful, attractive people represented in these shows. So yes, we see a little bit more of like alternative styles or more edgy styles or just gender non-conforming styles. And I just think it makes it a lot more of a fun watch. Though I must say they are all still quite fit and thin. So in some ways they are still kind of adhering to the standard notions of what is conventionally attractive. But hey, we're making progress one step at a time. Okay, so let's get into the actual show. I actually binge watched this literally within 36 hours. So it was probably 10 to 11 hours of are you the one? Plus I had to watch it on MTV.com with commercials. I think I watched more commercials than actual show, but anyway dedication, had to watch the show, enjoyed it, just don't like commercials. One of the first major things that I noted was Kai administering his testosterone shot. This was the first time that I have ever seen this in a reality TV show or in a TV show at all. I've watched trans YouTubers administer their shots, but I've never seen it on TV. So I thought that was really awesome, a very powerful moment again for representation. And it gave Kai an opportunity to talk a little bit about his transition. And I think he was talking to Jenna at the moment, so that was just a nice, sweet moment for them. So from there, we might as well talk about Kai and Jenna. Kai and Jenna were one of the first early couples on the show. Of course, as people are getting to know each other, some people take a little bit longer to find a connection and some people just hit it off right away, very powerfully, and Kai and Jenna were definitely that type of couple. They were so intense, like right off the bat. Very, very physically attracted to each other. They had that strong connection. And then comes the drama. Within the first episode or two, we kind of find out that Kai is a little bit of a player. A lot of the people in the house are attracted to him. Also, Remy's a little bit of a player. And Justin tends to be very flirty. So we see the, the people in the house that are definitely gonna make their rounds in terms of who they're interested in. And this is where it gets difficult because if you do happen to find someone that you think could be your perfect match right away, you wonder, is it too soon? Am I gonna close myself off from other people? Or maybe you're 100% in, but the other person might still wanna get to know everybody else. So naturally, those feelings of jealousy might set in, or you start questioning your feelings. Is this right? Or am I just falling for someone too quickly? Drama, heartbreak. So another early match was, or a, a, another early assumed match was Noor and Amber. 
they, you know, first day had been very attracted to each other and they got to know each other a little bit and literally were telling people like, this is my perfect match. And everyone was like, it's like our two. How do you know that? And they had had a really strong connection, but then of course you get to know other people, things get messy, somebody kisses somebody else and everything gets thrown off the deep end. Now is a good time to introduce something called the boom boom room which is the hookup spot. There's a door, <laughs> you can close it, you walk down the stairs and there's a nice bed, cozy, dark, but still filmed 24 seven because you're on a reality TV show. And I think Kai was one of the first people to use the boom boom room, or at least what we saw um, in the final cut. Kai hooks up with Jenna in the boom boom room and they're feeling lovey-dovey. She goes, I'm gonna go to bed. Okay, cool. And then Kai starts to talk to Remy and they decide to go hook up literally within two hours of Kai and Jenna hooking up. Kai and Remy are in there. And of course, that starts a lot of drama. The next morning, Jenna finds out about this and naturally she's upset because she thought they were on the same page. But then there's a little bit of a discussion about monogamy versus polyamory or open relationships. So Jenna seems to be the type who wants a monogamous relationship. If I'm with you, that's it, it's exclusive. And Kai seems to prefer open relationships. So naturally there's a conflict there and it causes a lot of pain and jealousy, at least on Jenna's part. Another thing about the Boom Boom Room, eventually there is a fivesome and Kai was involved. I can't remember everybody else who was in there, but that was a moment. Next couple I want to touch on is Basit and Jonathan. Literally from the first episode, Basit showed their interest in Jonathan. They were complimenting Jonathan's hair and you could just tell there was a bit of an attraction there. But in the first few episodes, Basit seemed very clear in wanting to get to know Jonathan, wanting to see if that was a match type of situation. But Jonathan was interested in a few other people. Jonathan repeatedly mentioned his interest in Brandon, particularly because of his physique. He kept saying like, oh, you know, somebody who's that fit puts so much effort into their body. That means they must put a lot of effort into relationships, which is definitely not true. I mean, maybe, but also it might just mean they like to go to the gym a lot. Anyway, we kept having these moments of Basit and Jonathan together and it seemed like they were making progress and getting to know each other and opening up. And then Jonathan would go and like try to couple up with somebody else. And Basit kept feeling very betrayed and hurt. And Basit had a, a few moments where they would be talking to other people and just essentially saying, I thought I was in this very accepting space, but it seems like this person is not accepting of me because Jonathan had mentioned he's from Florida. He's not used to being around people like Basit. You know, Basit is non-binary, very, very gender fluid. Basit has their drag persona and Jonathan just hasn't had that type of experience, hasn't been close to someone like Basit. So Jonathan seemed very, a little uncomfortable or just unsure about whether or not he was attracted to someone like Basit, if he could handle someone who could switch their style up and their gender expression up so frequently. And I felt really bad. I thought Basit is putting in the effort, Basit's clearly interested, and Jonathan just seems to continue to like lead Basit on, but then screw them over. So I didn't like Jonathan. But then there was- Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This one night, I think it was a, they called it a queer prom where everybody was gender bending and wearing different outfits and a lot of them, you know, hadn't gone to prom or hadn't gone to prom in a way where they could express their true selves, either in their gender expression or their sexuality. So this presented an opportunity for everyone to get a little bit crazy and wear something different and um, just feel free. So of course, Basit came out and it was time for Dion Slay, which of course blew everybody away. Absolutely stunning. Jonathan also did a little dress up, a little drag persona, and they had a really sweet moment where Jonathan basically said that Basit was helping him get in touch with that side of himself. He hadn't ever really dressed up in that way. He hadn't done that type of makeup. Jonathan and Basit's relationship really grew, and I think Basit did help Jonathan open up a little bit, be a little more open-minded, try different things, and that's always very attractive in a partner. Somebody who can make you grow make you change, make you challenge yourself a bit. Another couple that got established kind of early on is Justin and Max. I don't really remember how it got started, but they definitely had a connection and very quickly it became evident that Max was probably more into it than Justin. Max had said that, you know, he was still coming to terms with his sexuality, still trying to feel comfortable in himself, and this was his first relationship with a man so he would be calling Justin his boyfriend and Justin was still you know wanting to get to know other people they weren't a confirmed perfect match they weren't necessarily exclusive and Justin would go make out with other people or dance with other people and Max was just constantly hurt and jealous and feeling confused about it which was really sad to see so let's get back to those beam ceremonies. You know the things that they do every week? Yeah, the whole objective of the game. So at the beam ceremony, the host is there. I think his name is Terrence. Terrence calls the people up. They each say who they think their perfect match is. They sit back down and then they do the beams and it's very dramatic and it takes a long time and they play a lot of commercials during this part. Did it drive me mad? Perhaps. So I think early on they got two or three beams, which was very encouraging. They were like, hell yeah, we're gonna knock this out. We're gonna get the eight beams ASAP. And they kept being warned, by the way, that if you don't get any beams, if there are no correct pairs sitting together, that is called a blackout. And if they blackout, they lose $250,000 of their million dollar prize money. So obviously they didn't wanna do that. But as people were still going along, through the weeks, they had been able to send different couples into the truth booth to see if they were a match or not, and they kept getting no matches for a long time. So they kept finding out, okay, these two people aren't a match, but then who should they be with? Who is their perfect match? You kind of get more questions than answers in that type of situation. So in the pair-ups, they kept kind of switching things up because they wanted to continue testing, like, does this work, does this work? But again, you have to remember the beams only tell you how many couples are right, but not which ones. It's messy. At one point they did actually have a blackout, which was devastating. So they did lose $250,000, bringing their total prize down to 750,000. 
that was where everybody was like, okay, we need to get serious about this. Do not continue losing this money. It took until episode seven for them to find one perfect match, which was Brandon and Aisha. They were confirmed in the truth booth and they were sent away to the honeymoon suite, which I was confused about. Again, this is my first time watching the show. I was like, are we ever gonna see them again? They're just gone forever? It's kind of sad, you know? You get your perfect match and then we see nothing about it. I wanna see the perfect matches. I wanna see if they're actually compatible. Are they getting along? Are they having a lovey-dovey time? But no, nothing. You're just exiled. And then you show up for the beam ceremony again and you're like, yeah, still, we're still in perfect match. Sucks for you guys. So late into this show, I was really thinking about how obviously this show is primarily a game. The objective is to find the perfect matches as determined by the love experts or the algorithm. And they present the show as an opportunity, of course, for people to unlearn their bad toxic habits and to figure out how to have honest, healthy relationships and, you know, go with your heart, find people that are really good for you but also it's a game. So really the objective is for you to find whatever perfect match the game already predetermined for you. And that's where my beef comes in. A lot of people found good connections or connections that they had wanted to explore deeper, but when they found out that it wasn't a match, they had to just cut things off and be devastated and heartbroken. And then you're told, okay, now you need to be open and go find somebody who's your actual perfect match. And it's like, in that state of mind where you're like emotionally hurt, you're not in a state where you can be open and in the mood to find a new connection. So that's where things get very complicated. So I'm not gonna talk about every single thing that happened in this show because we don't have 10 hours, but at one point after Jenna and Kai were confirmed to not be a match, they had to break up. And that was devastating, of course, because they were just glued to each other. They couldn't get enough of each other and they kept going back to each other and having these little secret makeouts or hookups. And everyone was like, dude, Jenna and Kai, you're not a match. Please find your match, get to know other people. So eventually Kai kind of has a thing with Noor, but then Kai is also interested in Jasmine. And there's this party scene where there's this huge shouting match between Noor and Jasmine. Noor tends to be quite territorial about who she's with. She's that kind of loyal, but like, I'll kill you if anything goes wrong type of gal. So Noor kind of blows up on Jasmine because Jasmine and Kai had hooked up. Yes, I think they were part of the five some, if I'm remembering correctly. Kai, Kai just, Kai is attractive to everybody. Everybody wants a piece of that Kai. And throughout all of this, in all of the beam ceremonies and in everyone trying to figure out who their perfect match is but not having any answers, I was like, okay, why haven't they like sat down? Like I feel like I could sit down if I wanted to spend a few hours like drawing it out, marking out all the no matches, figuring out who's definitely not together, who might be together. I was like, I feel like I could figure this out. It's like a giant puzzle. There's math I'm sure you could do but I don't have the math skills to do. But it's kind of like Sudoku. Like, if you sit and think about it long enough, you might figure out who is probably more likely to be a match. So finally, Carrie and Danny 
sit everyone down to do this. By the way, I want to give some love to Carrie and Danny because they haven't gotten any mentions yet. Danny is fantastic. He's like one of the most underrated people on the show. He is so sweet. He's this big, tall, nerdy man. And we see him multiple times trying on skirts and dresses and playing around with his gender expression. And we just love to see it. Danny has a sad story about how he had been engaged to a woman and thought that he had found his soulmate, thought that they were gonna get married and have kids, and then she broke things off with him, so you're just feeling really bad for Danny and you want Danny to find a connection, but it seems like nobody in the house really connects with Danny. And it's so sad to see because he seems like one of the most genuine, lovely people. He's always the one who's like the rational, friend helping everybody else out and it's like there's always those people that you root for because they're so sweet but like it just doesn't seem like it's working out for them and that's what makes it even more sad and then carrie carrie had thought that maybe kylie was her perfect match they had a connection but then they were a no match so carrie was also struggling to find anyone else in the house that she may potentially match with so our two brainiacs Carrie and Danny sit everyone down and they're like, okay, we are going to systematically figure this out. We are going to unravel this puzzle. We've got to figure out who the matches are because we cannot be playing around like this with the prize money on the line. So through their deductive reasoning, they find out Jonathan and Basit are, yes, a perfect match, which is very sweet because at this point, they have grown together and it's really wonderful. They also find out that Jasmine and Noor must be a match, which is ironic again, because we just saw them blow up on each other. But then it kind of makes sense because you're like, who could handle that fire, Noor's fiery spirit, other than Jasmine? They do actually seem quite compatible in that way. But of course, that's always um, confirmation bias where you're like, you find out something's a thing and you're like, yeah, I knew that all along. No, you didn't. It just makes more sense now. Then they guess that Paige and Jenna are in fact a match, as well as potentially either Danny and Kai, which I never would have guessed, or Justin and Max. Of course, Justin and Max are rooting for themselves. More so Max is rooting for them and Justin's kind of like, doesn't really care either way. And Max is so insecure and so sad. And he hates that everyone is doubting that they might not be a perfect match, but like, we don't know until we know. You know? And then of course we have Brandon and Aisha who are already confirmed, already in the honeymoon suite. So then at another beam ceremony, they strategically try to figure out, are Justin and Max a couple? And they find out that they are not. And of course, Max is really devastated. He's heartbroken. Justin is a little bit sad, but not really. Justin kind of moves on quickly and continues to try to figure out who his match is. So then we're left with our stragglers, our last six people who are the last three couples, Amber, Carrie, Justin, Max, Remy, and Kylie. And so you're looking at those people and you're like, okay, who seems like a decent fit? Has any of these people shown interest in another one of them? We know Carrie and Kylie aren't a thing. We know Justin and Max aren't a thing. So like, how many combinations do we have left? And they only have two more chances to figure this out, two more beam ceremonies before they either will or will not win that $750,000. So those six go on a few more dates and they do get more truth booth opportunities to see who's not a match. They try to figure out, okay, we have to think with our hearts, not our heads, or maybe we have to think with our heads, not our hearts. I don't know. We have to think about what we need rather than what we want. Go for the type of person 
that you need rather than the type of person that you usually go for. So it's like, is this a lust situation or is this like a real connection according to the algorithm? So finally, we get to the final theme ceremony, the final chance to win that $750,000, the final chance for everyone to find their perfect matches and they do it, they win, which is fantastic. It's a really wonderful moment. Um, and these are the final perfect match couples. Remy and Amber, Paige and Jenna, Nor and Jasmine, Max and Carrie, Kylie and Justin, Kai and Danny, Jonathan and Basit, and Brandon and Aisha. Woo, wow, made it to the end and I was like, wow, these people found their perfect match. This is fantastic. Immediately after I watch any reality show, I look at where they are now. Is anyone still together? Please tell me. So apparently there was a lot of drama throughout the show and after the show that was not shown. A lot of people hooked up on the show and after that we didn't hear about. So I tried to Google it. I tried to look on their Instagrams. I tried to find any interviews to figure out these missing clues. I was going into this assuming that it was like Love Island where like after a season of Love Island, there's tons of coverage. Each contestant gets like a million followers on Instagram. And Are You The One doesn't seem to have exactly that same energy. I don't know how many people watch this show. I mean, this is my first time watching the show, so that kind of says something potentially. But there wasn't as many articles and things giving us follow-up information. There was an unofficial reunion show on YouTube because apparently MTV wouldn't give them their own actual show. Rude. And I watched some of it, but it's like two hours long and I had just binge watched the show, so I didn't want to watch a whole live stream as well. Essentially, none of these couples, these perfect matches, actually were perfect matches. None of them actually stayed together, which, shocker, huh? I mean, the algorithm said it, the love experts said it, I'm shocked. Apparently, Paige and Remy, who had kind of had a thing at some point, Remy was really, really into Paige, and then they found out that they were a no match, so they ended things. Apparently, they had continued to hook up throughout the show and after the show, and they actually dated for a few months after until they broke up officially in December of 2019, so like six months after the show. But it seems like they were pretty much the best case scenario out of anyone on the show, but again, they were not perfect matches. Jonathan and Bissett, probably one of my favorite couples, I think they did try to be together, but not like exclusively. And then they had a statement about, you know, just long distance, making it kind of difficult for them. So they were not together. But I did look at Basit's Instagram and they are with a non-binary partner. So Basit did find a happy ending. So lastly, let's talk about this whole idea of perfect matches because that's the whole point of the show is that apparently these love experts and these interviews and personality tests can find the person that you are fully compatible with and you're gonna be like soulmates. Apparently that is not true. I mean, it's kind of obvious. By the end, when you had those people kind of forced into pairs because they found out the strategy of the show, they had like guessed like, oh, we must be a perfect match. You have people pairing together who clearly had no actual chemistry. Maybe they were really good friends, but just because you were called a perfect match doesn't mean that you actually will be compatible in a romantic sense, in a sexual sense. That doesn't mean that there's actually going to be a connection. And I was so frustrated to see all of these actual connections that people had passion in and they were invested in get squashed because, oh, sorry, you're not a match. 
My camera just cut off, love that. We had all of these connections and potential things squashed because they were told that they were not a match. It's like, sorry, I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about this chemistry. We're playing a game. It's not actually about finding your perfect match. It's about finding your perfect match according to this algorithm, so sorry. I get heated, you know? The game wants you to follow your heart, but your heart won't necessarily lead you to whoever this algorithm picked as your perfect match. Our hearts are not necessarily logical, okay? Love is not always logical. It doesn't always make sense. It's not always predictable. You may have a type in your head or somebody that you think you'd want to be with, but life comes at you fast and you never know who you might end up with, which I think is a lot more fun. As much as some of us, you know, when you're single, you're like, oh, I wish I could just take a quiz on BuzzFeed and figure out who my true love is, but that's not it. Anyway, that is my review and overcap of Are You The One Season 8. I really, really enjoyed it overall. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I didn't have to watch all those damn commercials, to be honest. I watched the same guy running for something, his political ad, I swear, 60 times. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed watching this. If you have also watched Are You The One, please let me know what you think down below. What are your thoughts on these pairings? What are your thoughts on these, you know, algorithmically matched, perfect matches? And if there are any other reality shows or dating shows or other types of shows you would like me to watch and potentially review, please let me know. And stay tuned for future internet analysis videos. You can follow me on Instagram for some mediocre pics and Black Lives Matter resources. By the way, those will be linked below. Places to donate, places to learn, petitions. You can follow me on Twitter. I am also still sharing a lot of Black Lives Matter related news, political news, and the odd meme or irrelevant tweet. And once again, thank you for watching. I am sweaty now, I'm gonna go. Okay, thanks, bye.